Welcome to Simply Stogies. I am your host, or one of your hosts, James, the other host. He's contractually obligated to be here every time we do one of these. It's Nick Sears. Nick Sears, uh, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? Thank you, James. Always a pleasure to be on the show and talk cigars with our friends and uh, people in the industry. Yeah. Uh, speaking of people in the industry, Nick, we've got uh, a very special guest today. Uh, he's a friend of the show. He's been on before. And before we get to him, just real quick, I would be remiss, Nick, if I didn't acknowledge that this is the 100th episode of Simply Stogie's podcast. Oh, special, special. Very special indeed. Uh, and we brought out the big guns just for you guys there at home watching on the YouTubes, the Rumbles, uh, wherever it is you're watching it on your phone, at home. and like I, I don't care if you're in your bathtub. I don't give a shit. Uh, just thank you for watching. Thank you for everything you do. Uh, most podcasts, there are 2 million worldwide uh, minimum, uh, probably more than that at this point, but 2 million worldwide. Uh, and most of them don't make it past the first seven episodes. And here we are 100 in and we're going strong. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep growing, doing different things for you guys. Uh, a lot of different things in the works. Uh, if you go listen to Clear the Air from last week, our, our new after show, you'll know that there's uh, lots of stuff coming. So uh, thank you to everyone who watches. Thank you to everyone who listens. Without you, Simply Stogie's podcast would have stopped about six episodes in. But here we are, 94 episodes after that and going strong. And to celebrate that, uh, we're bringing back, this is his second time on the show. Uh, he is the national sales director for McAuliffe Cigars. He is my friend and friend of Simply Stogie's podcast. Andy Yaffe, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me again, James. So you you put all this pressure on me now. I did not know ahead of time that this was your hundredth episode. It I feel is. honored. Well, I feel honored. You shouldn't, but I do appreciate that you do. Uh, you know, we just talk mm. cigars here. That's what we do. Uh, I like to call us infotainment. We're going to give you a lot of information with a modicum of entertainment. Okay, fair enough. Fair yeah. Enough. So there's yes, I do. Go ahead. I. I do consider you a friend and uh, Nick, you are a future friend of mine. If not after, you know, in about an hour from now, I guess we can call each other friends, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you are a friend and I'm very, very happy and excited to be on another episode with you. Uh, this is my second full show, but actually it's my third appearance on your show. Cause I did appear at the, uh, my old Kentucky Herf last year. You uh, did a indeed. Period. Yeah, we had a, a quick interview with you uh, and and Nick and Greg Freeze and Oscar Valadares and everyone else show. who was there. It was awesome. It was a great uh, show. We'll be back there this year at the Mile Kentucky Herf. Are you going to be there, uh, Andy? Are you going to grace yeah, us with your... Yeah, McAuliffe plans on being there again. This is their third annual uh, Mile Kentucky Herf and my third time uh, doing it. So I'm a... I mean, it's honestly one of my favorite events of the year. Uh, there's a lot of multi-vendor events in this industry. Uh, the guys at Fat Ash do my old Kentucky Herf correct, and it is a it is a great time. Anyone who's listening to this, if you have the opportunity to go, I believe it's the 13th of May. May 13th is going to be uh, for the yeah. consumers, and May 12th is going to be for retailers. He's gonna he's trying to do like a little mini PCA. Yeah, that's a new that's a new wrinkle in uh in the event for him he's talked about doing it before this is the first time he's actually going to do it to be completely honest i don't really know a lot of information about what's going on on the 12th uh i was going to meet with uh, dwight and the guys next week to get a little bit more information about that uh but i assume uh 
with everything they do at Fat Ash, it will be done with the utmost class and organization and, and uh, quality. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it, what they, uh, what they put together this year. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. And, and this is kind of, I, this is a question for you, Andy, but I kind of also want to get Nick's uh, response because I don't think I've ever asked Nick this. Uh, because when you travel a lot, like you were in, like you were in Davenport, Iowa late last year, yeah. uh, which I saw you there and I picked up the ashtray and what I'm smoking tonight, which is the, uh, McAuliffe Riata Petit Corona out of, uh, the McAuliffe, uh, collector's edition, uh, which is regular production. It is not a limited thing. You can go get those, uh, at your, uh, favorite McAuliffe retailer, uh, and I picked up the sign, which uh, I tagged you immediately on Instagram when I did that because it's a little different uh, camera angles for what I do. Uh, but it's it's hanging it's hanging right there. Um, so I saw you there. It was great hanging out with you. Um, you know, because I, I only get to see you typically a couple times a year. And in fact, at last year at PCA, mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't get to talk at all. Um, yeah, we were way too busy. You guys were slammed. We but uh, yeah, I got to talk to Dan. Uh, and, and Amanda, and that's always fun to talk to them. Uh, but yeah, you were like, you were just busy. So this is my question for both of you before we start going down rabbit holes as I am prone to do, uh, favorite shop. I, and I know like, it, it, I don't want to say like favorite is in, this is better than everybody else, but the one that you go to or would like to go to every day, if you could, cause I mean, let's Dwight's awesome. Fat ash is awesome. Capital Cigar Lounge in Lincoln, uh, Nebraska is great. Uh, the drawing room in Davenport. I like, so let's ask Andy first, Andy, what would be the one you would want to go to? I mean, you're putting me on a spot here. I mean, I got it a doesn't lot of even have to and you're be, asking right? me the I number know. one shop that I would go to on a daily basis. I, I, I feel like it all depends on what I'm going there to, to achieve. If I'm going there to relax and get away, there's a, there's, there's a certain type of shop. If I'm going to a shop to like party, there's a different type of shop. If I'm going to a shop for an overall, like a cigar experience. Um, well, Andy answered the question very, very well, because it's hard to pick just one because there are so many and so diverse. Uh, in my case, I do a lot more international traveling as well as uh, nationally. I like the shop's, Locally in New Jersey that I visit, I have shops that, like you said, to hang out. Um, there's some that are more quaint. I like, uh, for me, the most important thing about a shop isn't the actual building. It isn't the actual atmosphere. Well, atmosphere is is created by the host. It's created by the owner. And if I like the owner and I like uh, the people that work there, that's my favorite shop. It could be you know, in the back, uh, in a chicken coop. But if the people are there, it's all about the experience of where you're smoking. I, I don't want to name any in particular, but I just know that I have a lot of friends uh, in, in the industry that I love to hang out with. And, um, you know, there's all, they're all different kinds, you know, like um, some are very supportive. Some are just great places to hang out. Um, you guys are you know, both way too diplomatic. You're, always, you're both just way too like. Listen, listen. I represent a brand of cigars. I can't. I can't be overly playing favorites here. Uh, that's fair. Both of you. That's very fair. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, this is your like in January. You celebrated three years with McAuliffe. Is that is that right? Four years with McAuliffe. Jesus. Four years. With McAuliffe. And this is this. I remember talking to you 
at the end uh, of last year in Davenport. Is this the longest you've spent with a with a cigar company? Actually, no. I spent about five years with the Florida Minicana. Okay, so, uh, that was my first job in the industry. So I still have a little bit more time to make up with McAuliffe before I hit that point. So, you, but it's it's pretty close, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah, close, yeah. So, what have you learned in the four years with McAuliffe, Andy? <laughs> I not, learned a lot. <laughs> not to put you on the spot again, but obviously you've learned a lot. But like, what is what are some of the things that stand out uh, that you've learned about the industry because you've worked at. Nat Sherman, right? You you worked over and I there worked for, at La Florida Minicana. and LFD. You know, the, the biggest, I mean, obviously the biggest difference is the fact that in this role, I'm a national sales director managing a team of sellers throughout the country. So in this role, I've learned a lot more about different, uh, you know, different accounts in different regions, different buying patterns in different regions, different trends in different regions. You know, where before in my previous roles with LaFord Minicana and Nat Sherman, I just had to worry about my own territory. So this job, it's more elevated to the fact that I'm learning a lot more about the industry as a whole. I'm learning a lot more about the big picture, learning a lot more about managing different situations and different territories because it's all different. I mean, each territory has a different thing going on at a different time. And it's 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 very interesting to sit back and be able to, you know, navigate and coordinate uh, through those different situations. So that's my biggest thing. Another big thing with McAuliffe that I didn't really have to worry about too much with the other two brands is I'm we're in brand building mode. La Florida Minicana, a little bit in the beginning, they were still in brand building uh, brand building mode, but they were they were on the scene. People knew who they were. Uh, people knew what they were about, and it was a very popular brand that had been around for 20 to 25 years to now almost 30 years. Uh, you know, McAuliffe has been around six years. So everything that I have to do as a leader with McAuliffe Cigars is basically with the focus of building a brand and getting it into more people's hands and building the brand awareness and telling people about our product and our story where in my previous positions wasn't so much the case. So there's a whole different strategy that I have to work in every day with McAuliffe than I did with my previous positions. So that'd be the biggest, the biggest difference. You know, I, I, I've talked about this uh, ad nauseum with, with, uh, the people on my staff and my friends uh, is that McAuliffe is different from almost every other cigar company out there in a few different ways. But I think the biggest way that they're different is, is how you approach the business of selling cigars. You don't, yeah. you don't run it. And we had this conversation myself, uh, Randy uh, had this conversation with Dan and with Amanda at PCA uh, is that you guys run it like a, and with all deference to to Nick, you run it like a, a different, like a business. You don't yeah. run it like a cigar business or a tobacco business. You run it like a fortune 500 company should be run. Right. So there are, yeah. there are certain differences when you, when you transitioned over from LFD, like what was that? Was it a hard transition to, to learn like, Oh, you guys do things a lot differently than what I'm used to. Well, yes and no. 
La Florida Minicana, like I said, had 20, 25 years worth of tobacco history that they were working with. Coming over to McAuliffe, we didn't have that. So we want to be able to grow as fast as possible. And the way we were able to do that or, you know, the, our focus was to be different and to be disciplined and to be organized. Pretty much every cigar company that's out there is in this business to make money. Uh, there's a few businesses out there that they're, they're hobbyists or just want to have a good time. But for the most part, everybody in here wants to make money. They're just about, you know, a lot of them are about doing it different ways. Uh, our decision was to be different in the fact that we're not going to sell to big box online websites. We want to sell and build directly with the brick and mortars of the country who we believe are the backbone of the cigar industry and the ones that are, you know, your place to go and smoke a cigar and, and deal with a, you know, full on family owned business. We decided to do that. And we decided to be, very disciplined in our approach to doing that and to doing business in general, because it was our way of, of growing the market share the quickest, the quickest amount of time. So I don't want to sit here and say no one else is out. No one, none of the other companies out there don't want to make money. They want to make money. It's just, we're doing it a little bit in a different, in a different way because we want to be able to separate ourselves from those guys. We realize that we don't have, the 30, 40, 50 years of, of history, lush history in this industry to fall back on and to preach, even though the Gomez Sanchez family has been in the tobacco business for multiple decades, they weren't overly known or successful in the United States of America, which is the biggest tobacco consuming country in the world. We need to be able to fast forward that process and ways to do that is to handle ourselves like an appropriate business and not just play around. Uh, we want to make sure that the people that are doing business with us, we protect them in all forms and fashion. And we don't, you know, we don't want to cheat them or sell under them or, or do business with people that are going to mess with them. And it's interesting that you say that because I want to, I want to talk about that because at the the beginning of the pandemic, you guys pulled, uh, and this was this was brought up in a in a very popular podcast, the longest running podcast uh, of all time, uh, the Cigar Authority, where uh, Garofalo had said, like, to even to your detriment, you sometimes had to buy back cigars from some of these big box online companies uh, at a at a loss, and you did that. Yeah. How much of that was because I'm going to use a word that some of the consumers may not be overly familiar with when it comes to cigars. But how much of that was you're selling this at a discount, you are devaluing us on the market, McAuliffe on the market, and we can't have that right now because we're so new. And how much of that was we really do want to focus on, you know, our bread and butter, which is the B&Ms, because we get in there and we network with the owners and we get to know them and we get to know their consumers and their customers and they become part of the McAuliffe family and their, cons and their customer by extension becomes part of the McAuliffe family. And you guys, we talked about this ad nauseum when you were on before, you know, you have the, that grassroots movement with the ambassador program. And we'll touch on that a little bit later and all the things that you, that you uh, are still doing there. But how much was, we really need to protect ourselves from deval from the devaluation, because you look at what happened happens to some of these companies where they do that, they end up getting bought by, you know, uh, STG. Thanks. 
yeah, whoever, I'm not naming names <clears throat> like Bradley, uh, you know, where you just start selling uh, at, a, at a discount because you're getting money, right? You're making money because you're selling it, but then they're selling it at a discount. So how much was staying away from devaluation? How much of it was? Let's you know, honestly, James, James, it was a lot of bit, it was a lot about both. Uh, you know, we decided that we want to grow with the brick and mortar operations of this uh, industry. And we also decided we didn't want our product devalued. And there's a lot of companies out there that make the mistake of selling or giving too much of their stake to the big box online guys. And I'm not going to, I want to keep those nameless right now. <laughs> yes. And those big box guys make them a lot of money and those companies are like wow this is this is a good amount of money uh it's going to help fund our growing operations so we're just going to cater to their needs however after so many years they get basically handcuffed to those big box guys that are providing them that money and then you know and honestly in a former fashion they kind of own them and we didn't want that situation. We didn't want to depend on those guys to grow our company. We wanted to do the opposite route and we wanted to be different. There's not many companies that can come to your shop store and say, hey, we don't sell to those guys. And yeah, the yeah. reason we don't sell to those guys is because we want to sell to you and grow your business. And we don't want your customers. I mean, every day I hear about a customer going into a brick and mortar store and saying, oh, well, I tried this cigar, uh, but I found it online, so I'm going to buy it from them. Uh, but they went into that first store to try it, and then, oh, my goodness, so many of those stores are struggling with the fact that those customers will then take the product back into their store to smoke it and just take up space and electricity and, and what have you. We, we don't want to be situated with that. We want to go and say, hey, we're that company that you don't have to worry about that happening with. And yeah, Nick, to, I'm sorry. Uh, that's all right. Go ahead. No, no, I, I think it was such a wise, wise move because it's a mistake. And like you said, once you go down that path, I had a very similar little in, in a smaller way. When I first uh, did my first PCA show, the first account that came to visit me was famous. Right. So I was all happy. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, in the U.S., I mean, when I entered the U.S. market and they bought a good amount. And then when I started visiting shops all over the uh, the country, the first thing, you know, being a new brand in the U.S., the first thing these retailers will do, they'll look online and go, hey, first thing that comes up is, hey, look, LH in Famous. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah. And I was naive, like, yeah. And they're like, well, if you can get it there, you know, why why would yeah, I want to sell it here? Yeah. And it was like, a, uh oh. And I realized, and I did the same thing. I called up my, you know, the buyer and I'm like, listen, can you guys take it off your site? I thought you were only going to keep it in the store. And like, no, we have no control. You're welcome to buy it back. And I did the same thing. I bought it back. And I've also gone that that route as well. And it's and it's uh it's I think it's key. A lot of people sell and they're key. looking for sales. And it depends if you're looking for growth and you're looking for I agree a hundred percent, and I think anybody in the industry the industry and the brands are built on the backbones of the brick and mortars. They're the ones that are going to promote your brand. They're the ones that are going to build your brand. Unfortunately, yeah. a lot of these guys have been burned so many times because it happens. And then as soon as it gets to the point where people are asking for it, 
then the big houses want it. And then they quickly say, okay, sure, here you go. And it gets devalued and sold and it happens. Uh, The other thing I wanted to ask you, Andy, which I think is one of the unique things about um, what I know of McAuliffe Cigars is being a fairly new company. And you could definitely say it's within the small to medium size uh, size company. You have the unique ability and the, I think it's the greatest thing in the world that you have in-house reps, in-house, you know, the, the, the representatives. That's huge. Because when you're dealing with independent brokers, you're one of nine, ten different brands that you know you you get you get lost in the mix, you know. And 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 when you're in the growth stage, you have to really focus. And to have that, you know, that privilege and that benefit of having your your guys. And I've I've met some of your sales uh, people in the territories, and they're all very good, and they're all very knowledgeable, and they're all friendly. So. Um, uh, kudos to you and and the and the and the company that's able to do that, and uh, I think it should go far because I think you're very unique in that sense. Yeah, we are extremely fortunate to have Al McAuliffe as our owner, uh, who gives us the ability to house in-house reps. Uh, Al McAuliffe, uh, businessman by trade, entrepreneur by you know by trade. He, he has developed many businesses in his time, and fortunately, he gives us the ability to have in-house reps. And we made that decision, you know, around the COVID time that we were going to invest our marketing dollars in in-house reps. We had a decision to make whether we wanted to go the route of the big magazines that are out there and publicize our events with magazine dollars and advertisements or use that money to get in-house reps that can go into the stores and 100% focus on promoting the McAuliffe brand. And we made that decision at the time with our dollars. And that was another one of those business James decisions that we made uh, because a lot, you know, a lot of people are, I still get this from day to day, you know, from time to time. Al McAuliffe, he's a billionaire. Why are why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? He's got all the money in the world. Yeah, he's got a lot of money. He's earned all that money. He wasn't born into that. He has gone out, blood, sweat, and tears, earned that money. And the way he's done that is being responsible for disciplined business operations wherever he's gone. So for him to go into the cigar industry. He wasn't just going to, hey, I'm going to throw, you know, $500 million at this and do all aspects. No, that he doesn't He doesn't make money that way. He's going to be disciplined. He's going to go in and say, okay, this is what I'm going to dedicate to this business because I feel like that's what I need to get it started. However, I'm not going to give money just to throw money away. I'm going to give money to areas that I believe we can, believe, we can grow in. Hey, what is the better way to do it? In-house sales reps or advert, put a page advertisement in every magazine that's out there, I think in-house sales reps go further. So I'm going to invest in house sales reps. He's making business decisions instead of just throwing his money away. And that separates us. And that's why we made that decision to go with the in-house sales reps, which most companies of our size, unfortunately, can't afford to do that. So we are very fortunate to work for someone that is able to give us the opportunity to do this 
And in return, we need to go out there and prove uh, that he's making the right decision and make sure that we are preaching the word of McAuliffe and getting the cigars in people's hands and growing his business. Uh, and part of the gospel that is McAuliffe is making smart business decisions like you're, you're, you're talking about. And I, I, I honestly believe having the sales reps instead of brokers is one of them. Not mm-hmm. advertising in, in magazines is one of them. Uh, but part of that is sometimes you've got to uh, trim the fat, so to speak, cut the chaff, uh, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever analogy you'd like to use. The bold line seems to have been part of the fat that uh, was decided to be cut. Much to the chagrin yeah. of a lot of folks uh, on the uh, McAuliffe ambassadors, because some of those bold uh, those bold blends, they are some of the f- favorites out there. They are some of the favorites out there. Believe it or not, James, before we made that decision to cut the fats or cut the Grande Bold line, we did an analysis on the sales of the Grande Bold line since its inception, and of it had. We did. Dram- of course we did. Of we, course. That's what businesses do. Absolutely. And we, you know, we found out that the bold sales every year, honestly, had dramatically decreased uh, to the point of last year that we felt that it was a good opportunity to cut the fat, trim, trim the cigars that weren't really any more part of our main money-making part of our portfolio. And a lot of ambassadors out there do love the bold. I'll be honest. I love some of the bold. Uh, The Sumatra was one of my favorites in any cigar. And I would lie if I said I didn't stock up a little bit when we got rid of them. (laughs) However, define a little bit, Andy, how many, how many boxes did you buy? Let's say there's eight or nine boxes upstairs, (laughs) but anyways, we decided that going forward, we wanted to 100% focus on the cigars that we can fully control from, you know, production to consumption. And the bold for, you know, a lot of people know this, but some people may not know this, was not actually produced by us. It was produced by another company. And we were very happy with the time that we spent with that company. However, sales dwindled and there were some other varying factors, but we realized that we were at a point with our company where we needed to make a new direction. We were at a fork in the road and we decided to take the route of 100% of McAuliffe cigars are going to be from our factory in Esteli, Nicaragua going forward. And we had to peel the Band-Aid off. And that's what we did uh, late last year and early this year. We also made the decision that a good way to dispose of the Grande Bold would be whatever's left over after the sales are finished. We're going to donate to the Warriors, uh, the troops that are overseas, the Cigars for Warriors. We'll get the full donation of all the leftover Bold, which ended up being a significant amount of sticks that are going to be now in our troops' hands. And uh, that's our way of saying, you know, thank you for your support for our country. And it's also a way of saying, hey, this is McAuliffe. Uh, Have you guys heard of us? And hopefully, you know, some of those guys will be turned on to our brand. 
and to our some of our sticks that we're actually producing out of our factory. It's a win-win situation to do that, right? Because you have all of this surplus stock. What are you going to do with it? I'm sure there's mm-hmm. some sort of tax write-off with the donation. So it's not like you're going to lose 100% of it. So it, it's a win-win. And this is what I'm talking about when I talk about why McAuliffe and how they do things differently and how you guys have come so far in uh, such a short amount of time. You know, the last time you were on, we talked a lot about the grassroots movement and the McAuliffe ambassador program. And, and you do get a lot of traction that way. And you get a lot of new fans and you get a lot of new uh, cigar smokers to, to, to your brand that become loyal to you guys. And you guys understand like having Dan on, he said, I don't expect everybody to smoke McAuliffe all the time. You're going to smoke other cigars. He's like, my favorite is a Davidoff. He's like, I'll smoke this Davidoff all the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, to you guys understand that and you really attack business in that with that mentality of it's not, oh, we're losing this line and now we've got it. It's this line is literally holding us back. Rip the bandaid off, get rid of it, do what we can to mitigate loss, and then come out with new stuff. Like the Leyenda is in what two new Vitolas? Is that correct? Yeah, there's two new Vitolas of the Leyenda coming out in a Toro and Robusto. And the thought process behind that is the Leyenda is the legacy blend of the Gomez Sanchez family. That is the blend that they are extremely proud of. They've had in their family for a few generations now. However, the packaging, which is very, very polarizing as far as uh, (laughs) packaging is concerned, it's in a... Uh, coffin, open yeah. face coffin that actually is shape of the cigar. The cigar is a pyramid. It's a torpedo, a long torpedo. So the actual coffin is shaped around the torpedo, which we have a patent on that actual coffin. So no one else can mimic that. But the problem is with that coffin, it adds a little bit of money to the cost of the cigar, which makes it a cigar that's in a higher price point category, which a lot of people will buy that cigar as a celebratory cigar or a present or something like that. However, we are so happy and proud of that blend that we wanted more people to be able to enjoy it. So our thought process was let's come out with a couple more uh, Vitolas of that cigar blend that are more affordable. So we came out with the Robusto and the Toro which are now available at pre-release events that we're doing and will be released sometime in the month of May for the general public. We're pretty happy about that and sharing that blend with more people uh, because there is a lot of people that haven't had a chance to really enjoy that blend because of the price point. Is that one of your best-selling blends? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So, So again, even in the coffin, it sells very well. Right. The presentation my my thing my whole saying with that cigar is I can put it on a shelf of a bunch of different cigars and it's going to stand out. People will see it, they'll notice it because of the packaging. However, that doesn't mean they're going to buy it. Everybody's got a uh, an amount of money that they can spend on a cigar, but they're going to see it. And because of that, we're able to sell a very good amount of that cigar in two different sizes to the public. However, we want to be able to share more of that blend with our consumers. So mind you, the number one and number two in the coffins are not going away. They will remain 
part of our portfolio, but right. we now have a Robusto and Toro available to you as well as more affordable option. Uh, right. So you get rid of the, the, the Grande Bold line and then you bring in, you start doing different Vitolas. How long yeah. was that in the works? Because you, you shared with me at, at my old Kentucky Herf a, a test blend, if you will. Okay. It was in the short, I'm not going to say what it was, but it was a test blend. And you were like, Hey, try these. Let me know what you think. And I really liked them. I told you, I thought it was really good because that is, uh, you know, so how long has that been in the works that where you knew you were going to do this and you knew you were working on different Vitolas, you knew you were working on different sizes, you knew you were working on new things. And how hard is that to keep to yourself? So I, we, you know, just for the general knowledge of the public, usually when you come out with a new cigar or a new blend or anything, there's about an 18 month process at the minimum. And like I've told people, there's a conversation right now about the PCA, which you may or may not want to get into being moved up oh, a few months next we're year. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. So a lot of guys have asked me how successful they think that'll be in 2024. And my, my answer is, okay, so if it hadn't moved, say it's in July, people have already, most manufacturers know right now what they're coming out with in 2024. And you move up the trade show a few months and you're going to have a year where there might, where there's going to be a lot of blends that just aren't ready yet because we just weren't ready for the change in the dates. So when it comes to the Leendo or anything new that we're planning, there is an 18 month lead up time to it. Now, me personally, I'm not always notified of the different things that are coming out in 18 months. It's not my, you know, not my job really. It's more of the manufacturing side of the job. My job is to sell right. and to lead the sales team. However, I was familiar with the Leanda products about this time last year. So, well, you've been in the industry long enough where I feel like they lean on you a little bit. I can't imagine Dan doesn't leave you out of a lot of conversations and Amanda doesn't leave you out of a lot of conversations that, that, that you're, that you're privy to some of that stuff. So having yeah. that, having that knowledge, how hard is it to keep from your friends, from your family, from guys like me in the industry? He's like, Hey Andy, what do you got going on? Like, what's coming out? What do you got? And you're just like, you sit there in your, you know, with that stoic face, maybe a little bit of a smirk, maybe a little bit of a smile. And you're like, eh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to speak for everyone in this industry that are in my shoes. Yes. It's not always easy to, uh, to not say something or not tease something that's coming, especially when you know it's going to be a hit. When you know something very, that has the possible success of like the Leanda or something else, uh, it's hard to keep it in. It really is, but you have to. I can't. I can't. I can't spill the beans all the time. I can give hints. I can give hints of things that are coming out, but I'm not going to spill the beans. Right. Right. Nick, is it hard for you to to keep it inside? Yeah, absolutely. But I I leak it out a lot more since <laughs> since I don't have the structure that McAuliffe has. You know, I may not give a name. I may not give a thing. But I'm like, hey, try this. Just 
I do my version of, um, you know, testing, like blind testing. I like to get different people's opinion and um, I take feedback and uh, yeah, I like getting the feedback and, and also getting people excited without mentioning what brand it's going to come under or who's who I'm making it for, whether it's for myself or for another brand. Uh, I like that. So uh, if, if nobody can get mad at me, because except myself, <laughs> you know, what I mean? so it's a little different. It's fun. Know? It's yeah. fun. It's absolutely. Well, listen, you know, even though McAuliffe is very business minded, everybody is in this business, as I said in the past, because we enjoy it. We're, we could easily be selling widgets or anything else, but we do enjoy cigars. And I, and I think everybody in this industry is doing it because it's not just your typical nine to five job. I mean, as much as it seems glamorous, it's not um, for, on anybody's level, but you know, it's still at the end of the day, you go, you know, I enjoy this industry and I'm sure Andy's been in it for, for a long time. And, and there is, there are perks, you know, if you didn't like cigars, but you know what, there are people that believe it or not, I've met people in this industry that don't smoke cigars and could yeah, be even owners of brands. Um, how that happens, I don't know, but there has to be a passion behind it. And I think that comes through uh, to the retailers and to the consumers. Yeah, no, well, I'm laughing because I like there's conversations that I have had with people on my staff about, uh, you know, someone very famous who doesn't smoke cigars, but owns a, a, a company and they do very well. And we all know extremely how, well, and extremely we, right? Well. And we all know how they got into the industry. And so, you know, for me, I want to see uh, companies like LH, companies like McAuliffe succeed because you guys do have a passion for it, which is I thought was great with Dan being, uh, you know, Al choosing him to 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 be the president of the uh, of McAuliffe Cigars because Dan comes from a different kind of background, but he's a cigar mm -hmm. smoker and he's got that passion for it, you know. And he's yep. he's hired for that passion, which I think yep. is, has helped him uh, and, and helped the company immensely. But you brought up PCA. So now we're going to talk about the PCA. And if you don't want to, Andy, all you got to do is go. No, no, <laughs> let's, let's, let's go in. We are major supporters of the PCA. So let's go in. No, you, you are. And I remember in 2020, you guys made the decision. This was the same year that you... Uh, pulled all of the cigars out of the uh, uh, the big box online retailers, and you made the decision to go with the big four and not attend the PCA trade show that year, which ended up getting canceled anyway, right? And you weren't there in 21, mm -mm. but you were there last year in 22, and now you're coming back this year in 23. Now that they've changed the game ag again, and I, I am not a big fan of this change. Really? Uh, okay. I I'm not, and I'll tell I'll, I'll tell you why. I know that the manufacturers have been begging for this change for years. Make it earlier in the year. Nobody wants to go to Vegas when it's 116 degrees outside. Nobody wants that. You know, you put it earlier in the year. We know what's coming out. We, we have a good idea. We know what sales figures we want. It makes more sense for us to have it earlier in the year. But with, mm -hmm. t with, with the uh, uh, appearance of TPE now, which is literally two months before this. Now you have two trade shows in three months. And in fact, you have two cigar trade shows in less than three months. And I feel yeah. like for some manufacturers, they're going to have to pick and choose. It would be a mistake of PCA to worry about what TPE is doing. Why? 
that it because it is not in their best interest. It's two completely different shows. TPE is not 100% focused on cigars and that industry. PCA is. PCA and TPE have two totally different goals, two totally different revenue streams, two totally different sets up of a show. For PCA to worry about TPE with is doing is just not it's it's not going to help them at all. It, well, I don't know it, it if doesn't. it's so much worrying about what TPE is doing is worrying about manufacturers. He's let, let's be honest, and I, I don't want to ask, I don't care, but I know what it costs for large manufacturers to get a space at PCA, and it it ain't cheap. I know what it's like for small uh, companies to get a small space at at uh, PCA, and it ain't cheap. Mm-hmm. So I know you guys spend a pretty penny on, on going to PCA every year. And you look at it as an investment and an investment in your brand and an investment in your future, but it's not cheap. And so when you have manufacturers, the boom's over, the second boom's over. I don't, I don't, I don't, I believe that this is the way, this is the way a PCA telling those manufacturers to put their money where their mouth is. You know, PCA is saying, Hey, we're going to put it in March. Do you want to come with us or not? Because we're the cigar industry. We're not, we don't allow all the different, you know, vape products and cannabis products and everything else on the floor. We are focused on the cigar industry. We sit there and we fight for the cigar industry. TPE doesn't fight for the cigar industry. They basically are tobacco products. It's called Tobacco Products Expo. It is anything that is tobacco related. Hey, we have this big giant party show floor. Go ahead and, and book a spot if you want it or not. We don't care if you're cigars. We don't care if you're cannabis. We don't care what you're doing. This is our show floor. Book a spot if you if you want it or not. PCA is saying, hey, we're actually out there on the road fighting for the rights of the cigar industry, not anything else. So they're saying it's like, okay, by moving it to March, we're listening to a lot of people that say, I don't want to go to Vegas in, in the summer. They're listening to a lot of people that are saying, in the summer, that gives me five months now to sell the product, where in March, it gives me eight months now to sell the product that I bring in. It's also going on the on the fact that, hey, we're getting away from the Sands Expo Center. We're going back into the Las Vegas Convention Center, which is a lot cheaper for us to hold conventions in than yeah. the Sands Expo Center. So there, you know, yes, it is a, it is an expense, a major expense for a lot of these manufacturers to go to this trade show. However, moving it to March is going to shed some dollars off of that expense. And in my opinion, it's going to allow more purchasing power from the retailers that do go to the show in the month of March. I, and I, PCA should not make any decisions whatsoever based around when or where TPE is. I it's hope not you're in their right. Interest. I really hope you're right because I've always, we don't go to TPE and we don't go to TPE for a very specific reason is because they don't really support the cigar industry. They don't support mm-hmm. premium handled cigars. They are uh, tobacco and tobacco adjacent uh, focused, uh, but they don't do any kind of, of uh, you know, lobbying, any kind of, uh, um, litigation, mm-hmm. you know, in favor Nothing. of cigar. Nothing. They're they're basically it's just basically a big and at, party. And at the end of the day, I don't. Have you ever been to a TPE? No, at all? no. So I've been I've been to one. We went to one TPE. The cigar area of the floor is literally one fifth the size of that show. 
Wow. Uh, it's not, it's not an extravagant amount of their show. And honestly, I think a lot of it is like, okay, well we can make some money off of getting scar people to go there. So let's have them at it. But if that was eliminated, do I think TPE is going to fold and go away? No, no, it'll be just fine. Yeah, I, 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 I hope you're right. I, I honestly do. I guess we'll see where it lands in 2026 because it's not going to. They said it's not going to be in Vegas after that. So I'm interested to see where that's at. Uh, we'll and, the, and the logistics of the convention center next year uh, should be fun because I you would know, rather. Honestly, well, honestly, a lot of the manufacturers prefer. Uh, the layout of the Las Vegas Convention Center compared to the Sands. Why is that? It's just it's it's more of a a box situation to where the Sands is kind of blocking off different parts of this floor that you could be a part of. Okay. That and all sense. and honestly, it's a lot. It's cheaper. It's yeah. much cheaper. Well, hopefully, I, I've always found that once they start charging a certain amount for a certain size of space, it's hard to be like, yeah, well, we could charge less for that, but why would we? Because <laughs> they're in the money making business uh, but too. Mean, but but you're you're talking about Sands versus Las Las Vegas Convention Center. Like they're how not, much cheaper is it? I you know personally, I do not know, but I know it's cheaper. You have to be competitive with the neighbors in your market. <laughs> right. Right. I, I just know how much it would be for me to have a space just like the size of half wheel, which I think is like 10 by 10. It is a number that I have no desire to pay and no amount of supporters to, to pay. Well, that's why TPE has become popular is because TPE has decided, I mean, there's a lot of margin in some of those other tobacco products. TP has decided to subsidize oh, yeah. a lot of the expenses of being on that show floor, which has made it attractive for a lot of cigar companies to go. We decided that, you know, we dis- we participated in TP 2020. And the main reason was we wanted to scope out what the situation was. And after 2020, we realized that it just wasn't where we wanted to invest our money. We'd rather invest our money with the PCA who has the interest of our industry in return. And I think, I think that's, that's important for, do. for people to understand that because you guys don't do things willy nilly. Everything is analyzed and analyzed again. Yeah. And you, yeah. you take a look at the numbers and you crunch the numbers and you figure it out. So if it's, uh, it, you know, if it's more important for McAuliffe to be at the PCA, it's more, you know, it should be more important for per- pretty much everybody else to be at the PCA instead of the TPE. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> so since we're on the topic of, of stupid bullshit that is controversial, let's talk about these uh, stupid uh, bullshit FDA proposed regulations of factories. Cause you guys own your own factory in Nicaragua. Are you worried about this at all? Where they're like, you no. got to have cleanliness standards. You got to do this. You got. How would they even go about enforcing that no. in another? Country? No, they 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 can't. No, I'm, we're not worried about it whatsoever. Okay. There, there's. I mean, obviously, if rules come down, we are going to abide by them, and we are going to do our best ability to make uh, the FDA happy with it. But I don't. I don't see any way of them being able to force it listen when how long ago was it now that fda said they were taking control of the scar industry yeah it's been a minute it's been five years yeah have we really seen anything change 
No. There's been a few changes on the fact of, hey, we have to do X, Y, and Z to register a brand into the market or a new blend into the market. But outside of that, I mean, nothing right. really. Uh, maybe maybe the age change. The age change, which I don't know if that was fully FDA um, supported or not or imposed or not, but the age change is another thing that has happened in the last five years that, that has been enforced. But outside of that, there's no... But did that really have an impact on anyone's numbers? The age change? No. You don't see a lot of 18-year-olds running around with premium hand-rolled cigars. They don't have that kind of disposable income. No. The only, the only markets that I could have, I could imagine it affecting even slightly would be college towns. Yeah. And even like you said, you're talking about your, your kind of like your, your extra money, not so much your bread and butter money. So we're, we're quickly running out of time here. And I know that you quickly you, running out of time. We just got started. I, right. It kind of feels like it, but you had a, you had a, a, a new release, a new, uh, a new Vitola come out. Want to talk about that? So this month we had a, a Robusto and a Riata Robusto released to the public. So those are our new, you know, we made this decision that we wanted to bring our retailers more traditional sizes of our portfolio. Unfortunately, in the beginning, when we acquired the blends from the Gomez Sanchez family and our partnership with them, they had a lot of blends, not blends, a lot of sizes that were wonky. Uh, more traditional Cuban sizes like the Torpedo or the Churchill or something like that. Right. Uh, so in the beginning, we decided to take that on because we didn't know what the FDA was going to be doing as far as regulating the different uh, Vitolas and blends that are out there. So we decided to take that on and add it to our portfolio that we were offering to our customers. We got a lot of confusion out of our customers in the first few years because they thought our portfolio was so diverse and so different that it was hard for them to grasp. And we took that feedback and decided that we were going to kind of weed out some of the non-traditional sizes and shapes and come out with more traditional sizes and shapes in those same blends. So there's been a lot of Toros that have been introduced to our portfolio and now we're on a kick to where we're going to be introducing more robusto sizes to our portfolio in a five by 52 sizes what we're aiming for and two of the first ones that we decided to work with were the a line which has been incredibly successful for us uh, since the beginning so the a robusto is now available and then the other one is the riata robusto which the riata is a line that we kind of reinvented this time last year with a Toro and a Corona in that sh- in that blend, which we really liked the blend, but in the beginning, the sizes that were available in that blend were, were not traditional acceptable sizes. So now we have a Robusto in the Riata line as well. And you're going to see from us in the next you know year or so, add other Robustos to our portfolio of our popular blends to allow retailers to concentrate on what sells for them and put those on their shelf. Most retailers are going to tell you their most popular sizes are going to be Toro and Robusto. So we want to make sure that we have a Toro and Robusto option of all of our blends to our consumers. 
you know, and, and like I said at the top of the show, the uh, collector's edition is a regular production thing now. It's not like mm-hmm. it's an LA. You can go get it wherever, you know, McAuliffe is sold. And they come in, like you said, the petite Corona size, which is not a size that is is out there for, for a lot of these blends. Uh, and it includes uh, the uh, the Riata, the Experienza La Crema, uh, Connecticut, Herencia Maduro, uh, Herencia Habano, Migdalia, Leenda, and the Reserva. Uh, and I just got done smoking the Riata. Uh, what do you think? I thought it was really good. It, 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 it's, it, it allows this, this smaller size, this smaller uh, Vitola allows, I think, a little bit more of that flavor to come through in it and the sweetness. Like when I smoke a, a, a Riata in a, in a larger Vitola, I don't get as much of that sweetness as I did on this one. And it was just the whole cigar. There was just that sweetness at the, on the back of my tongue. Right. And it's, mm-hmm. oh, it's just so creamy and so good. Like go pick this it. up. Yeah. Like it's such a great concept. Like, Hey, we're going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me. We're going to put this box out and it's going to have all of these blends that you guys all love that all the McAuliffe, uh, you know, those of you who smoke McAuliffe love, but it's going to be in a different size. And it's going to give you a little bit different flavor profile than what you might be used to smoking the larger, the larger sizes. I think it's, yeah. I think it's great. Like, so let me ask you this. What's next for Andy Yaffe? What's next for Andy Yaffe? That's, yeah. that's a loaded question. <laughs> well, very loaded <laughs> question. <laughs> You know, my my job right now is to spread the McAuliffe love around as much of the country as I possibly can. And I believe in our brand. I believe in where we're going. Uh, One thing that we haven't touched on is the fact that this year I had the ability to go down and tour our factory. I saw that on Facebook. Yes. Which a lot of people do not know that we own our own factory in Esteli, Nicaragua. So we control the whole manufacturing process of our cigars, where a lot of brands of our size usually depend on other manufacturers to produce their blends. We control everything. So I got a chance to go down and see our factory, meet with our workers that are down there. We have 110 employees at the McAuliffe factory, and each one of them is so passionate about what they are producing for our consumer base. It's very refreshing to see. It's very motivating to see. And I'm excited to take the knowledge that I gained down there and take it out into the market and tell our retailers and our consumers about it. We have a lot of new and exciting things coming. Unfortunately, when I first started, our company was in a little bit of a transition period to where we, you know, we thought when we started, we would go one way and that one way did not work. So we decided to change our direction to go another way when I first came on board. And that was the same time that Dan and Amanda came on board. And the three of us have worked together to go that opposite direction. And it seems to be working. And there's a lot of stuff that we have planned for the next five years that are really, really good treats for McAuliffe fans and our consumers. And it took a while to get to that point. We had some work to do with the factory. We had some work to do with our sales team and our identity. You know, you mentioned we didn't go to the trade show in 2021. 
a lot of that wasn't because we were anti-PCA. We weren't anti-PCA. We were anti what we were preaching. And we were anti our identity that was created up into that point. So we needed to scale back and jump back and reevaluate what we wanted to show the public, what we wanted to show our consumers that what is McAuliffe. And it took a little bit of time to, to put together that narrative, but we've done so. We went back to the PCA. The, the factory is ready to go. We're ready to scale. And you're going to start seeing a lot of new and exciting things from us over the next few years that you're not accustomed to with McAuliffe. I mean, we're still going to be preaching brick and mortar only. We're still going to be preaching, not selling un- to uh, people that can undercut you. Yeah. But now we're going to have different things that we're going to be like, hey, this is new. This is from us. This is uh, what we can do with our own factory because uh, we believe in Joel and Adele and the Gomez Sanchez family and what they can produce. And it's it's time to show people what we can produce. And it just took a little bit of time to create the foundation to make that possible. New and exciting things coming from McAuliffe. Where are you going to be? So this comes out on the 15th of this month, April. Okay. Where are you going to be? We talked about the mild Kentucky herf. Uh, you do a lot of the traveling around. You're always with your, with your sales guys <clears throat> going around, talking to B and M's talking, talking to the folks boots on the ground, as we would say, yeah. uh, where are you going to be? Uh, where are you going to be this summer and this spring? So specifically April 15th, I have an event here in Clarksville, Tennessee doing the new Leendas, but uh, let's see. I mean, I got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, I'm, I am the national sales director, but I'm still responsible for Tennessee and Kentucky accounts. Currently Kentucky may is a huge month for the state of Kentucky. Uh, we, with the Derby going on the mild, uh, Kentucky here, probably spending a lot of time in the state of Kentucky in the month of May. But after that, it's going to be more focusing on PCA for the summer. That'll be a main focus of mine. I know I will be at Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival, uh, which is in August. That is one of the better and bigger cigar festivals in the country. Anybody who's listening to this, I have been to a hundred different (laughs) multi-vendor events and festivals in this industry, and bar none, there is nothing that compares to the Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival that is held in Denver, Colorado, in, in August by the Smoke Friendly Corporation. Uh, James, I don't know if you have a chance to go to it. I highly recommend it. Yeah, it I've seen you there the last couple of years. Stop by, always say hi. Uh, it is, it is huge. fantastic. And, and I tell everybody, everyone's like, well, why don't you cover it for the show? Why don't you put out content for the show? I want just one festival for to you. Enjoy. That I enjoy. For me. <laughs> it's just for me. For me to hang out with my friends and just enjoy and see people in the industry that I know and, and have a good time. And the Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest, that's that's the one for me. Oh, it's 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 a great time. I will be there. McAuliffe will be there. We have we have some really exciting things to show people, uh, starting with the PCA. So nice. in the fall, I imagine I'm going to be all over the place promoting what we are preaching for the second half of the year. So uh, just just follow me on Facebook. That's what I can say. You can kind of see my travels and where I'm going by following me on Facebook. But McAuliffe has some has some really new exciting things coming out this summer that 
I'm I'm just I'm pumped. I'm ready for. Yeah, no, I am too. And then in September, you've got the open house, which I am. Uh, oh right yeah, now, we didn't talk about that. Which I am right now planning on attending. Talk about the open house yes. real quick. What it is yes. and, and and why it's because this is literally the coolest thing in the cigar industry. Is it okay? So every year in September, we celebrate. Uh, what the main point of it was, we wanted to celebrate the anniversary of us breaking away from big retail online, uh, big online retail. And we made that decision in 2021 in September that we were not going to sell to big online retail anymore. We were only going to build our business with the family owned brick and mortars of this industry. And to celebrate every year for that anniversary, we decided we're going to do an open house. And the open house consists of us opening up our warehouse in Weatherford, Texas, to our consumers, to our retailers, to whoever wants to come down uh, for a weekend of fun where we throw a party with our, you know, our friends, basically. You guys are our friends. And to celebrate the success of McAuliffe, the cigar industry, and the departure from selling to online big retail. So it's a great time. It's in Weatherford, Texas. It's usually a three-hour event where we feed you, we entertain you, we give you cigars. You get to tour our facilities in Weatherford, Texas. And the cool thing about it is every year it's kind of evolved to where the ambassadors and us have created extra events around the open house to where it becomes a full on weekend yeah. uh, last year. And I assume this year we'll be doing the same thing Friday night before uh, we hold a big cigar dinner on the rooftop of Riata, uh, which Riata is Al's restaurant in Fort Worth, Texas, which is a very, you know, it's a higher end steakhouse with a beautiful overlook of downtown Fort Worth. We did that last year. That was fantastic. Uh, we have pre-parties at the cigar shops in Weatherford, AME Cigars to be specific. And, you know, some of the guys got together last year, did a golf tournament. They did a shooting uh, round at one of the local shooting ranges. And I think we're going to add some extra stuff this year to it as well. So it's always the uh, around the 16th of September. So I think this year it's the 15th or 14th, one mm -hmm. of those two days. I'll put uh, it on, it'll be in the Saturday. Show yeah. I'll put it in the show. That, yeah. That's Saturday of, of September. So and when do tickets I, go on sale for that? Cause I know they're not on sale yet. I think they're going to go on sale at the end of the month. At the end to of the be month. honest. Okay. Yeah. They're so, going to be going on sale soon. Uh, if you're not a part of our ambassador group, please, please go on to the sign up for the ambassador group. We'll invite you onto the Facebook group. The Facebook group is where we make a lot of our announcement about what we're doing as a company. We also do weekly contests, all sorts of information. Shows are on there. It's a lot of fun. And it's, a, it's an organic community. The guys in the community are all very supportive of each other. And it's crazy to me how like many of them have become best friends. Yeah. Uh, along the Facebook group. Uh, it, you guys, every year you do the uh, March Madness where you pit uh, McAuliffe cigars against one another in a, in a seated yeah. tournament. That's yeah. always, we a good just finished that. It did. You just finished that. Who won? 
because it wasn't me. Because I'm apparently d- terrible. Oh, who won? I, you know, I honestly don't remember who won. I know the cigar that won. Which one? The cigar that won this year was Leanna number two. See, and I which think I-, I was voting for because so it's the fourth year we've done it. The first year, the Medallia Corona Extra won. The second year, the A won. Yeah. The yeah. third year, the McAuliffe Corona Extra won again last year. This year, the Leanna number two won the crown, which is who I've been kind of pushing for since the beginning. That's who I've I think been it's pushing our flagship cigar. I think it is too. I think it's one of the better cigars. And you guys put out some great cigars, but I think that's probably one of my, uh, probably my favorite from you guys is Leanna number two. I think it's a perfect size. I think it's a perfect blend. It's it's just really good, really smooth. If you haven't tried one, go try it. But that's what I've been pushing for every year. I'm like, this is the one that's going to win. And every year. It finally it finally won this year. It thank won. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, I know. It beat the Herencia Maduro Toro in the final, which was another. That's another one of my favorites. Those are my two top favorites in our line. Liam number two and Herencia Maduro Toro. Mm. Well, there you go. So Leanda won, national champs of the McAuliffe. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the McAuliffe Madness is always a lot of fun. Uh, fourth year doing it. It's just, it's it's great to put all our cigars up against each other. This year was a little different because we didn't have the Grande Bold as participants. So we kind of had to, you know, improvise a little bit with how the bracket looked. Yeah. In the past, we've kind of had 32 clean, a uh, 32 seed clean bracket. Uh, since we cut our portfolio this year, we kind of had a 20 bracket. So we had some play in games to go to the Sweet 16. But I think next year we should be able to go back to a 32 oh. seed bracket uh, with the cigars that we have come out with this year. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, the McAuliffe Madness is so much fun. It is. The ambassadors such- really get into it and have a great time. Go to go to McAuliffe, uh, cigars.com. Is that the right? Because I didn't look it up. It'll be in the show notes, but I'll, I'll, I'll put the link. If you want to be an ambassador, you can just click the link in the show notes and it'll go right to it. Sign up. You'll get a challenge coin. You'll get invited to the Facebook, Facebook group. It's a good time. Like you take that, that coin, you go to events. Hey what's going on like in the you're just your family it it really is yeah. like a big family and and we really focused on that the first time you were on like i was saying that it, it's been mcauliffe was growing uh very fast because a lot of uh, reason was because of the grassroots movement of consumers being like oh these guys are in it not just for themselves but for me and i feel like my voice is heard and, yeah. and it really took off and it's become uh, I don't post in there nearly as much as I as I should because I always feel like if I do, I'm shilling, and the last thing I want to do, Andy, <laughs> is shill. But when this comes out, I will uh, post it there because I want everybody to be able to, uh, you know, hear everything, uh, you know, from your mouth and not mine. Or oh, from, or, or so or, nice. Yeah, yeah, the ambassador group has been a a blessing for us. I mean, for more than you know, more than not, it's kind of like having our own board of governors. Uh, you know, board of directors, not governors, board of directors uh, in our company that can have their voice be heard. And mind you, there's a lot of decisions that we make as a company that are based on the opinions of the ambassadors in our group. So we don't just ignore the people in that group. I'm always interacting with those guys. 
Dan, the president of the company, is in there interacting with those guys on a daily basis. I haven't seen Dan on there in a minute. I was going to ask, is Dan He's okay? Been back. He's, He's back. been back. Okay. He's back. Okay. He's back. So, and last night, on every Monday night, it, well, this is what's crazy about it. We, we, we open this, this program for these guys, and they decide to do their own herf yep. on this program. Every Monday night, there is an ambassador herf. Uh, Bill White, who is one of the ambassadors of the year a few years ago, that's another thing that we do is every year we award an ambassador of the year. We give them all sorts of prizes, and we recognize them for a full year as being our number one supporter. This year, we actually had a tie between two people. So we're sharing the ambassador of the year this year. But Bill White, who won it the second year, has developed a herf on Monday nights. And he actually goes out and gets guests from the industry on this, on his show uh, that are outside of, you know, we don't, I don't have anything to do with that. He does it. He puts it on the show and he gets the ambassadors on there and, and they interview this, uh, this guest and they just have a great time. I know last night, what I try to do is maybe once a quarter, a designated time that I can go on personally with the ambassadors and answer any questions that they may have or promote uh, a little bit more of the behind the scenes of what's going on with McAuliffe uh, to these guys. So that's another benefit about being an ambassador is you get first, you get first dibs on any information that we're doing, any new releases, anything exciting we're doing. We always share that with the ambassadors first yeah. uh, before we even share it with the public. So you get to know that stuff before anybody else does. But last night I went on and I had an opportunity to talk to the uh, ambassadors on the herf and I took them on a virtual tour through the factory, uh, which I took pictures of on my trip when I was down there. And that's something that they, they love. They love to see everything of that's course. behind the scenes of and, course, and you, the extra stuff. You sent me an invite to that yesterday and I was like, Oh hell yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> I had, I had I a pod- stuff to do. I had a podcast last night uh, with with Nick and with Tim. Clear the air, uh, which you can go watch now on Rumble or YouTube uh, with, for the after show for for the show before where we talked about uh, Cuba with Nick. So yeah, I was I was really excited for something. Ah shit, I can't go. Uh, so that's great that you're able to do that and share that with them. Like that's guys, if you're not a McAuliffe ambassador, it costs nothing. Go do no, it. No, it's free. Totally yeah. free. I don't know why you, and you wouldn't can do win it. stuff. Yeah. It's they always they're always giving away stuff. Like they're it's just it's a great group of people to be involved with. Like he said, they do the they do the weekly herf. Uh and and you are the first to get the skinny, the lowdown, if you will, on what mm-hmm. uh is going on with McAuliffe. Nick, I feel like I have steamrolled you this entire no, no. episode. Nick, go Not ahead. Time in. <laughs> Do you have any how, questions for Andy? How many, can you uh, share how many ambassadors you have currently in the program? So in the, in the Facebook group, there's a little over 4,000. However, there's been over 10,000 coins that have been handed out. Wow. Uh, so not everybody is Facebook savvy. So we've realized it's about 50% of the amount of members that are out there actually get on Facebook. Uh, but anyone who signs up, we grab their email and there's a monthly newsletter that is sent out to that email list of things that we're doing as a company. Yeah, so it's, a- it's, it's quite a following. There's a lot of times that I go to events 
and people show up with their coin and I don't, I don't know who they are. I've never met them before. I've never heard of them before. And they just show up and they're like, Hey, I'm an ambassador. I'm a coin. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's freaking awesome. Like let's talk McAuliffe. So it's uh it's a community. It's a good, solid, friendly community. It's, it's genius. It really is. Yeah. We're very happy with it. It's just another example of McAuliffe doing something outside of the norm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Tatawahe has their, what, Saints and Sinners or whatever Saints it's called. And, sinners, and, yeah. and that's an exclusive club. Like, not everybody can get in. Like, you get, like, uh, you get in, you can only be invited, and then you get one invite every year. So it's a very slow-moving thing. It's not there to really promote or to, uh, you know, bring everybody. You guys are inclusive. Everybody can come in. It doesn't matter. It's free. We're going to send you a coin that costs us money to have made. We're going to send you a nice, a nice certificate that comes with it. In fact, mine is sitting right there on that humidor. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it, so it, they spend money on this. So you, everyone feels included. Like they have a voice and they, cause they do, you're able to go on there and you're able to ask questions and you're able to interact with, with, with Andy and with Dan and with Amanda and with Lauren and with, with everybody there. And it's, it, it, it really is genius as Nick said, because it's something outside the box thinking uh, that this industry, look, I I've always said this industry is great, but it's also kind of boring sometimes. Cause like how much can you change rolling up, you know, dried leaves and dried leaves. Them? Yeah. You get, we <laughs> always have to be creative. We always have to think of new things. <laughs> right. And that's what you guys do. And it's great uh, to have that. It was great to have you on. Andy, that's awesome. I can't wait to see you uh, next month at my old Kentucky Herb. Yeah. I'm sure we'll catch up. We'll have you back on the show then uh, in the round robin that I do where I just go around and stick the microphone in everyone's mouth. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> like the grinder. Here, here's the microphone. Nick, I'll Nick, do this. Are, you, are you going to, Nick, this year? I haven't decided yet. You I haven't may. decided yet? Okay. No. Yeah, it well, would. If uh, you are going, I will see you there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It'll be a good time. We'll sit out on the patio like we did last year, uh, Andy, and uh, we'll have a conversation. We'll share a cigar. Um, absolutely. And uh, we'll 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 talk shop and we'll talk just whatever, man. Because it's always it's always awesome to hang out with you. Uh, it's always fun to talk with you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing uh, your knowledge uh, and what what's going on with McAuliffe. We we greatly appreciate it. Well, I appreciate yes. your invite again, uh, James. You know, I think highly of you and your show. And whenever you need me uh, to be on your show or to help out with your show, I'm happy to help. I, I appreciate that. I And, you know, I said this on uh, Clear the Air last night when we recorded it. It comes out this Saturday. You guys have already watched it because I know you watch everything I put out. Uh, but <laughs> Andy is a friend, not just of the show, but uh, to myself. Uh, and mm-hmm. so is, so is everybody at McAuliffe. You guys are always great to talk with, and I can't wait to see you guys at the PCA and see what you have in store. And maybe we can get, uh, uh, Dan back on, uh, and he can tell us more stories that I can't tell anyone ever. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Yaffe, McAuliffe cigars, go try them everybody. Uh, next time, Nick, I don't know who we're going to have on. Do you? I don't. Not yet. Not yet. I, there are a couple of folks. Uh, it's all yeah. about scheduling, but there are two folks who are coming on. I don't want to mention names yet. Uh, it will be great. But I promise, no matter who it is, we'll always be talking Simply Stogies. That's Nick. That was Andy. I'm James. Stay smoky, friends. <laughs>